continue in a series today called Alternative Facts. And uh, one of the things that we're looking at is how we take Scripture out of context. And we've, we've, uh, we grow up believing certain things. And I had a person come up and talk to me a while back and said, Hey, do you believe in UFOs? I don't know, man. Do you believe in aliens? I don't know, man. Well, what if I told you that aliens are mentioned in the Bible? Plus, the Bible says that we come from aliens. Man, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if the Bible says that. He said, well, let me show you this scripture. I'll show it to you. And I'll let you, let you figure it out for yourself. Let me see this scripture, guys. Okay. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widows and loves the alien. Giving them food and clothing, and you are to love those who are aliens. For you yourselves were aliens. We came from aliens. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? I don't know if that's what that means. Well, that's what we do sometimes, and this is an extreme example, but sometimes we take things out of context, and we've heard those things, and we grow up believing things that simply aren't true. Let's begin this message with prayer. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today. I pray, Lord, that you will touch the lives of people and you will minister. And may we grow in our knowledge of the word of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, I don't know if the Bible says that. About every other month, we do something called growth track. Everybody say growth track. If you haven't been through growth track, I strongly recommend that you do that. We cover a few things. First of all, we cast the vision of our church. We talk about where we're going. We tell our story. We talk about the mission of Faith Go Church. Then we talk about how you can be a part of that. We want you to be connected with other people. So we introduce you to maybe a few new people to our leadership team and, and get you connected. We give you opportunities to be connected to Faith Go Church. If, if that's not something that you want to do, that's okay. But we, that's the idea is get people connected. But another thing that we do is we talk about our belief systems. We talk about what we believe at Faith Code Church because we have found out that everybody here comes from a lot of different backgrounds. For example, for example, everybody here that grew up Baptist, let me see your hand. Yeah, we got a lot of Baptists. This is the Bible Belt. There's a lot of different denominations. Everybody that grew up uh, Presbyterian. Anybody grew up Presbyterian? Okay. What about Lutheran? Anybody grew up Lutheran? All right. What about uh, anybody grew up Episcopalian? Anybody? Okay. All right. All right. We had a few of those in the first service. What about this? Anybody, anybody grew up Catholic? All right. Did anybody grow up Church Christ? Let me see your hands. Anybody grow up Church Christ? All right. What about this? Anybody grow up charismatic? You can just throw both hands up in the air. All right. Okay. Did anybody grow up Pentecost? That's how I grew up. Okay. Anybody grow up plenty lost? You're just a... Plain old sinner before you came to Faith Co. Church. All right. See, that's the idea. There's a lot of different backgrounds, and it depends on where you go to church. People do a lot of things differently. For example, depending on where you go to church and your denominational background may depend on how you change a light bulb. For example, how many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to actually change a light bulb and nine to discuss how much they love the old one. How many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, actually, there, lights go on and off at a predestined time. So nobody changing any light bulbs. What about Catholics? How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They only use candles. 
Baptists. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Fifteen. One to change the light bulb and three committees to approve and vote the wattage of the next light bulb change. <laughs> How many Lutherans? How many does it take to change a light bulb? Change. We don't change anything. Charismatics. How many does it take to change a light bulb? Three. One to cast the old one out and two to catch it when it falls. Did you get that? Okay. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the light bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. <laughs> so there are so many denominational backgrounds. And depending on where you went to church and where you grew up, people believe certain things. And we've heard certain things along the way from our Sunday school teachers. And all this is wonderful. But I believe that along the way, many times we hear things that might not be true. And that's what I'm calling these alternative facts. I believe that they are misbeliefs that in actuality, can be lies. And when we believe a lie, we are bound to the effects that that lie has on our lives. I want you to think about that for a second. If you grow up believing something about yourself that is not true, that has an effect on you. That has an effect on how you're in grade school, junior high, and high school. If you grow up believing something about yourself that isn't true, that will affect your marriage. And it will affect you for the rest of your life. But the Bible says in John 8 and 32, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's why we got to know the truth, because the truth will set you free from the effects of the lies that we've heard throughout our, our, li our lives. You believe that? Say amen. Last week, we talked about the alternative fact. Everything happens for a reason. If you didn't hear that last week, I strongly recommend you listen to the podcast or watch it online. This week, the alternative fact that we're challenging is this. God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. First, I want to talk about the definition of happiness. What is, what is happiness? Happiness is simply a feeling of well-being. But it's based on circumstances. It's actually a temporary feeling of well-being, and it's of well-being, and it's based on circumstances. We usually, we usually describe happiness as a result of our feelings. If you think about it, how are you feeling today? I feel happy. How are you feeling today? I don't feel too happy. It's usually based on circumstances. Why do we say this? Why do we say God wants me to be happy? Because I've heard people say that. I've heard people do some really crazy things, and I've seen people make bad decisions and then say, well, I, I believe God wants me to be happy. I've seen people actually commit sin, do the wrong thing in their lives, do things that the Bible actually speaks against, and it's very clear, and say, well, I believe that God wants me to be happy. How many of you heard people say this? I believe God wants everybody to be happy and make decisions that actually go against the word of God. Why do we say it? A lot of times we take things out of context from scripture. I mean, if you read the Bible, you take from that that God might want me to be happy. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know this verse. We may all know it. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, for welfare and not evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That sounds like God wants me to be happy. I would think that if God wants me to have a future and God wants me to have hope and God wants me to have a good life or welfare, I would think that wrapped up in that will be happiness, wouldn't you? That's what I would think. John 10 and 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. When I think of an abundant life that God has given me and promised me, I think that somewhere in that would be 
happiness. Jesus told his disciples more than once, anything you ask for prayer or ask for pray and believe, I will give it to you. Anything that you ask for when you pray, if you believe it, I'm going to give it to you. If I ask to be happy, wouldn't God want to give me that? It sounds like God wants me to be happy. But here's the deal. Although God delights in our happiness, and God has given us opportunity to be happy, he gives us the ability. It's kind of like wealth. Deuteronomy says, he doesn't say, I give you wealth. He says, God has given us the power to get wealth. God has given us the ability and empowered us to live happy lives. Although he might have done those things, Happiness for us is not his top priority, and I want to show it to you. There's a problem with it. When happiness becomes our greatest focus in our lives, when happiness becomes our, our, our priority, there are three problems. Real quickly, I want to talk about these. First of all, when happiness is the priority, we worry about things in life that don't matter. When me being happy is the focus of my life, when something happens in my life that really doesn't matter, I worry more than I should. In Matthew 6 and 25, Jesus says this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life when you're not happy and the focus of your life is being, is being happy? When you're not happy, you worry about things. I think, I think it's interesting that he talks about don't worry about everyday life. If the focus and the priority is happiness, everyday life, circumstances, I'll be up and down. My life will be a roller coaster ride. I'm happy today. I'm not happy tomorrow because life is about being happy for me. Circumstances will affect my happiness and I'm going up and down. Don't worry about everyday life, he said. Uh, I think the other thing that's... Pretty, pretty relevant to us as he says don't worry about what you eat or what you drink you guys worry about what you eat I worry about what I eat I have to if I don't worry about what I eat I weigh 220 pounds can't bend over and tie my shoe and I can I can put on I can look at an ice cream sundae and put on five pounds does that make any sense eight ounce cup of ice cream eat it next day put on a whole pound how did that happen I have, you, we have to worry about what we, uh, you know, my, uh, I really enjoy eating. Let me just say that. I really enjoy eating, and I, I love eating certain kinds of foods. I, I really like, I, re- I like dessert because, you know, regular food is about the basic, steak is all the same color, you know. Chicken, it's all the same color, right? Potatoes are potatoes, whatever, vegetables are green and whatever, but dessert that's like a party. It's like red, blue, pink. They got blue ice cream now. You know what I'm saying? I, I love, you know, I, I love those things. Um, but my favorite meal of the day is breakfast. I love, I want to, you know, we haven't eaten in 10 hours. You get up really, really hungry. You know what I want to eat every single day? If I could, what I would eat, I would eat pancakes, two of them, or waffle. I really enjoy a good Belgian waffle, if it's, if it's cooked right. Scrambled eggs, bacon, and hash browns, all right? And don't bring me pancakes on the same plate with the hash browns and eggs. You know what I'm saying? Separate that over because we don't want the syrup mingling in with the eggs, right? Put that on a separate plate, and then here's what you do. 
Heat the syrup. Will you please heat the syrup because it melts that little scoop of ice cream looking butter? You put that on there like that, and then you melt it, and it just melts the butter and melts all the way around your plate. That way, when you don't have enough syrup in the pancake, you can dip it in the buttery syrup, and it's all warm, and it keeps the pancakes warm, right? And then you, this separate plate over here, you mix up the eggs and the bacon and the hash brown, so you got a little hash going on. Salt and pepper keep everything separate. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know how often I get to eat like that? About once every eight weeks when all the kids are home, they walk in because usually it's like, what, do we have, what am I having for breakfast? I'm having oats. Wah, wah, wah. It's just a, that's terrible. What are you having today? I'm having a shake. It's so much better when the kids come in. Dad, you know, we ha- haven't seen you. Well, let's, let's have breakfast. Let's go have breakfast. I just wake up happy. I'm having breakfast. And it doesn't matter. Calories don't matter. I'm having a Belgian waffle, a thousand calories, and I'm happy about it, you know? You know, we don't need to worry about that. That's, that's an exaggeration, but we don't need to worry about those things that, that make us happy or unhappy. We pursue things. First of all, we worry about things that don't matter. Second of all, when happiness is the focus of our lives, we pursue things that don't matter. In 1 John 2 and 15, it says, don't love the world nor the things of this world. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving of physical pleasures. Not the real thing, but only the craving. A craving of whatever we see and pride in our achievement and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. There's nothing wrong with, let me say this, there's nothing wrong with having things. Have as many things as you want and you can afford, if you don't hoard, of course, have as many things as you want and you can afford because we work hard for our lives and our things. But here's the problem. When we love things, that love replaces the love for the Father, as we said. If you love the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's the problem. When we love things, we replace the love of the Father with the love of things. And the Bible actually says that even if we do that, it doesn't work because the world does not deliver. The things that we want in this world doesn't deliver. Because all it, at the end of the day, all it really does is give, it, uh, give us a craving for more things. So if you go get something that you really want and you step out there and get it because you love it, For a time period, it will give you a sense of happiness, but after a while, it'll get old and routine, and the next thing that you got to do is you got to get an upgraded version of your new thing because the world only offers a craving of the things that we have. That's why we cannot love those things, and you will expect more from the thing that you get. So whether it's a thing, whether it's a lifestyle, or whether it is a person, it is an, un, it, it is an unreali, un, unrealistic expectation to receive happiness from a thing. It causes us to pursue things that, that don't matter. And third of all, when we love things or when we pursue happiness, we do things that lead us astray from God's plan. If happiness is the priority of my life, if I'm unhappy, then it will cause me to walk away from God's plan in my life. Happiness is based 
on good feelings. Therefore, how I feel determines my happiness. If that's the case, then my attitude towards God will determine my happiness. Or my attitudes, or let me say it like this. How I feel about the Lord is determined by my happiness. If I'm unhappy today, it will affect my relationship with God. Are you with me? If, if the focus is, is, is on happiness, and I believe pursuing God gives me happiness, then my attitude towards God is determined by my happiness. Instead of fully committed, I become, I become halfway committed to God. And I, I become feel-good committed to God instead of fully committed. And everything that I do and my happiness is about, or my relationship with God is based on my happiness. I'll also develop an attitude about life. If it doesn't make me happy, I won't do it. If I'm not happy, I'll do whatever it takes to make me happy. I can't tell you how many people in my life that I've talked to that made bad decisions in their lives. And the reason was is because it made me unhappy. And I'm not, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, and I'm not trying to point to anybody about anything. But I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to in the last 35, 40 years that I've been involved in ministry that people walked away from their families and their homes because they were unhappy. Now, nobody needs to live in faithfulness. Nobody needs to live in abuse. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your problems. I'm talking about people that should have stayed together but said, you know what, I'm just not happy. Man, it's quiet in here. Oh, let me just say it like this. Let me just disturb the room a little bit more. Just make it uh, a little bit more uncomfortable. Don't get married to be happy. <laughs> don't get mad. Don't get. Don't think. You know what? I'm unhappy. I'm going to marry this guy. Or I'm going to marry this girl because this person is going to make me happy. Don't do that. <laughs> because if you're unhappy, you're not going to find happiness. In the arms of another person. In fact, if you're unhappy and you marry a happy person, guess, what, guess what's going to happen? Everybody's going to be unhappy. You just, you just turn one unhappy person into two unhappy people. You know, um, marriage is not based on happiness. Marriage is not even based on love. Now, hopefully you have both of those things in your marriage. Because it's hard to stay together if, if you're not happy and, and, and you don't love each other. But marriage is not based on that. You know what marriage is based on? Commitment. The covenant that you made. That you decided to have this relationship and you said, listen, ain't nobody going anywhere. The only, only way anybody's getting out of this relationship is death. Until death do we part. That, that's the vow. And that's what it must be based on. And I, I, Listen. Half the people in here have been through a divorce. We're not pointing any fingers. Listen, I'm the last person you know that's going to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. But that's what I believe and that's what I live by. It's based on commitment. If it doesn't make me happy, I'm not going to do it. You know the number one reason why people stay together? Write this down if you have a pencil and paper. Write a pencil. Who carries pencils? <laughs> Write this down. We don't have any pencils, Pastor. You know the number one reason why people stay together? And I'm talking to a lot of people here today. This is insightful. Don't forget this. They decide to. I've seen people with marriages that are wonderful, that live together for years. I've seen other people that, that had marriages, and I'm going to talk more about this next week during Father's Day. I've seen people that had bad marriages 
that went through a train wreck. And then on the other side of that, they just decided we're not going anywhere. And then God gave them the most wonderful marriage, way better than when it was at the very beginning. That God did some incredible things. God does incredible things when people just stay together. But you want to hear what I got to say about this more next week as I'm talking to the guys. So let's talk about the truth. Does God want me to be happy? Listen to me. God delights in us being happy. And God gives us opportunities to be happy. However, more importantly, I believe, number one, more important than our happiness, God wants me to be saved. That, that really, if you, what, if it, does God really want me to be happy? Ah, okay, that's pretty much up to me. More importantly, God wants me to be saved. He wants me to experience everlasting life. In Acts 4 and 12, it says, There is salvation in no one else. He's talking about Jesus. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Listen to me. God, does not, God did not send his son into the world to fulfill prophecy, to grow up as a human being, to perform miracles, to perform healings, to be crucified, to die, to go into the grave, to be raised on the third day, all that. He didn't do all that. So you could be happy, happy, happy. He didn't do that. Jesus, or God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to experience all of those things so you could be saved. Amen? That is, I believe, his biggest priority with us. We are so concerned with our temporal happiness. But I'm so glad that God was thinking way beyond that. That God said, you know what, Travis? I'm not so concerned with your happiness as much as I am concerned with you knowing me. And you know what? Sometimes that might be at the cost of your temporal happiness. Maybe how God treats me sometimes and God not answering all my prayers or God allowing me to go through through struggles and a few trials, that might make me unhappy, but he's willing to step back and say, you know what? That might make you be unhappy. But I'm going to make a man out of you, Travis. I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to do some things in your life that's going to grow you up and increase your faith. Hey, happiness comes and goes, but I'm more, I'm more interested in you being saved and knowing me deeply. I hope my kids are happy living in my house. I would like to think that they are. I would like to think that my kids are just love dad. I like to think that they, that, uh, and, and if you ask them, say, do you love living with your dad? And man, I'm down to the last one. It's crazy. But they all come home, and, but more importantly than them being happy, I got something else in mind. I'm more important, or I'm, I'm more focused on them growing up knowing God. I really am. You can talk to them. They get mad at me. All of them get mad at me probably once a week or once every two weeks. Every now and then, one of the girls will get mad at me and won't talk to me for a couple of days. Why? Because I tell them the truth and they don't want to hear it. I'm like, go talk to your girlfriends if you want to just be patted on the back. I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you're doing something that I believe is not right, I'm not being judgmental. Oh, man, don't get me started on that word. If you think, I, I, I'm, if you think I'm being judgmental, too bad. I'm going to call you out on stuff. It's my job because I'm not concerned so much about your happiness. I want you to grow up in God. I want you to grow up with a strong work ethic. Get in there and make your bed. I want you, I want you to grow up 
with a solid foundation in God because I'm not always going to be around. And when you go off to college and you're going to be doing and you're going to have the opportunity to do things with all the other students that are away from their parents. And you're going to think that I'm, I've been strict on you for years. You're going to find out why. And I want you to be able to stand and to push against the current pop culture. And I want you to live for God. And I don't want you to be a, a statistic, one of those statistics, about 75% of the kids leave church and only 25% of them ever come back again. I don't want that for you. I want you to be different. And I want you to live for God. And I want you to grow up my grandkids to live for God. And I want to come around your grandkids one of these days. And none of them are Christians because I didn't teach you how to live for God because I was too busy making sure you had everything that you wanted to be happy, happy, happy. Man, I think the, 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 the millennials need to hear that because the way we're raising our kids, we basically serve them and make them as happy as we can possibly be. But I wonder if we're giving them everything that makes them happy, but we're not giving them everything that they need to live for God when they get away from you because they're getting away from you one of these days. I'm not preaching here in a second. I got to keep going. God wants us to be saved. The next thing is God doesn't just want us to be saved. He wants us to be, he wants us to be joyous. In other words, God wants us to experience joy, which is a different dimension of being happy. Happy comes and goes, but joy is constant. Happy is based on circumstances, but joy is based on faith. Are you with me? Joy is saying I have an internal security that doesn't matter, that is not based on any kind of circumstance in this life. Happiness is of this world, but joy comes only from God. In Acts the fifth chapter, when the New Testament church was very, very young, I mean just a few days, maybe a few weeks, the apostles were teaching in the synagogue around the temple. I actually, no, they were actually teaching in the synagogue, but they were dragged to the temple or to the, to the uh, Sanhedrin court, which is the Jewish court. And there's, if you can imagine this, a few of the apostles, he doesn't list all of them. We know Peter was there. All of these people were around. This, all of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and, and scribes, all of these people, maybe hundreds of people were around as they're having this conversation. They say, we gave you strict orders not to preach that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, they thought that they squelched that with the death of Christ. So here comes the disciples preaching the same thing that Jesus was preaching. And thousands of people are getting saved. At this point, like 5,000 people have gotten saved. So they're preaching this, so they drag them into court, and they say, we told you not to do that. And then they start threatening their lives, and then they're making these decisions about whether or not they're going to kill them. So they decided, hey, let's all go into a different room. We'll let the apostles stay over here, and then we're going to go in here. They went into this room, and the apostles had to sit outside and wait whether or not they were going to die. I wonder if they're going to kill us. So one of the Pharisees stood up, who was well-known and very wise, and he said, hey, look, let's not kill these guys. If it's not of God, it'll, get, it'll, it'll pass just like all the other false religions. But, but if it is of God, we don't want to be fighting God. So, okay, we won't kill them. So they went back in there and said, okay, here's the deal. Don't you ever preach Jesus is the Messiah again. And to ensure that that doesn't happen, let's bring in the floggers. So they brought in these guys and they had them flogged and beaten, which was basically they take rods and they 
beat them. Sometimes it was near death. And listen to what Acts 5 and 41 says. And the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. That sounds like joy to me. They weren't happy to get beat. They were just joyous because God, they, had, they, they, they got to be part of the purpose of God and the calling of God. That's the joy that I'm talking about, that no matter what the circumstance, you're not happy up, happy down. You're excited and you experience the joy of God. True happiness is godly joy regardless of hardships. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 4, the Apostle Paul talks about how wonderful his life is. He says, we patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Whether they slander us or praise us, we are honest, but they all call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we, are, but we always have joy. Did you hear that? All these things, we always have joy. We, we are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Godly joy is not determined by your struggles. It remains in spite of those struggles, in spite of those trials. You believe that? Say amen. But it only comes from God. Here's what happens. If you have joy, you can be tired and still feel revived and refreshed. If you have joy, you might suffer hardships and troubles, but you can still feel like life is easy. If you have joy, you can be hungry and still be filled and satisfied if you have joy. If you have joy, they can put you in prison and you can still feel free. If you have joy, you can be poor, yet be enriched. You can own nothing and feel like you have everything. You can be close to death and feel more alive than ever. If you have joy that only comes from God. Amen? Rageous, contagious joy. In 1 Peter 1 and 8, it says, So you are filled with a joy that cannot be explained. One translation says, Joy unspeakable. It cannot be explained. A joy full of glory, and you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. No matter what, you experience joy. Happiness comes and goes, but joy comes from our hope in Christ. No matter what life brings, no matter what struggle happens, no matter what tragedy hits, no matter whether it be life or death, you still experience joy. Not happiness, not happy that things happen, but experience joy that comes from God regardless of what happens in your life. You believe that same man? The last thing I believe God wants for us or is more concerned for us than happiness is number three, he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be saved. He wants to be, us to be joyous and he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to live a blessed life. The Hebrew word for blessed actually means happy. But it's not the happy that you're thinking about. It's a holistic type of happiness. And you can find that in the blessings that God would speak over his people. Now, we say this every single Sunday, but I want to read it and break it down for you. In Numbers 6 and 22, there's this priestly blessing. It is a special blessing that God gives his people. May the Lord bless you. And then it talks about what that looks like. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord protect you. In other words, may you experience the divine protection 
or the divine hand of God in your life. That's a blessing that God gives us. May the Lord not only bless you and protect you, but may the Lord smile on you. May the Lord delight in the things that you have. You know, there are people, they don't like the good things that happen in your life. There are people that might experience that. But God delights in blessing you. He delights in all the things that he gives you in, the, in his blessings. May the Lord be gracious to you. In other words, may God give you the endurance to go through the things in life that try to destroy you. May God give you the grace that is needed to overcome the things that, that, that you might have to endure. May the Lord show you his favor. What is favor? Favor is unmerited. Favor is a blessing that, that God gives you simply because you're his child. I believe that God will give you a special favor when it comes to, uh, I believe that God will give you a special favor when it comes to applying for jobs, if that's God's will for your life. I believe that God will give you a special favor when you're trying to buy a house or a property. I believe that God will give you a special favor that the world doesn't have that will lead you and guide you through every area of your life. May God give you, that is what favor is, and may God give you his peace. That is truly blessing, a peaceful life. If you can think of all the things that, that are wrapped up in this verse, God gives us a peaceful life. It's not just happiness. It's true blessing that comes only from God. In 1 John 1, he says, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. What he's saying is, I want you to be blessed, but I want you to be blessed, not just in body. I want you to be blessed from the inside out. I want it to begin with your spirit, and as your spirit and your soul prospers, as you grow in your faith, as you grow in the knowledge of the Word of God, as you begin to do that, it leaks or it manifests to the outside, and your body begins to bless, and your life begins to be blessed. So what, what, what should we do when it comes to this alternative fact? Does God want us to be happy? God delights in our happiness. God gives us the power to be happy. However, God does not want us to pursue happiness. In Matthew 6 and 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God or pursue the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. I want you to know that there are people running all over the place on this Sunday morning pursuing things that they feel are going to make them happy. And there are people doing things all through the week that you say, Why are you doing that? Or what's, what, do you, what do you pursue? They are pursuing happiness but the word says these are the words of Jesus that if you will seek God first don't seek to be happy but seek the things of God seek the will of God and his righteousness seek to live for God and God will bring things into your life that bring not only happiness but bring the blessings of God that's where we want to be that's where the sweet spot is of God to walk in a blessed life if you believe that, say amen. So God, does God want me to be happy? God delights in our happiness, but more importantly, God wants us to be saved. He wants us to be joyous, and he wants us to be blessed. But there's so much more to life than me being happy. Pursue God. We must challenge this and other alternative facts because just, or just because somebody says something that is clever does not mean that it's true. Amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to speak your word and also to hear and to learn of your word. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to people today wherever we are. First, I pray for people, Lord, that don't know you. May everybody come to know you and have a relationship with you.
receiving Christ. And second of all, I pray for people that do know you, but have gotten the pursuit of, of happiness mixed up with the pursuit of God. It's easy to do in our culture. So I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us and whatever needs to be addressed in our lives, I pray, God, that we will address it and we will be changed in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, and maybe God is speaking to you today right now, I would, I would ask you, first of all, what is God saying to you? If you belong to Christ, maybe God is speaking to you about the pursuit of happiness in your life. Maybe God is speaking to you about what you're chasing, what you're pursuing instead of the fact that you're pursuing Him. What is that? What is that thing that you're pursuing instead of pursuing God? Because we can even live for God and not pursue God. So if that be the case in your life, I want to tell you something. I want to pray with you right now. That God will work that out in your life. And today, you begin to leave all those other things aside, all of those distractions. You leave those alone, and you begin to pursue God. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll do that, God will begin to pour those blessings into your life. And it's much better than anything that you could have done on your own. So let me pray with you. If you're seated next to somebody you love, take their hand in agreement. That's what we're doing. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I pray for people today that need to experience you and what you would want to say to them, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for pursuing anything but you. This life has distractions that can very easily take us away from where we need to be with you. But right now, God, in this holy moment, God, we commit to set those things aside and our eyes will be focused on you. And as we do this, Lord, I pray that you will bring change into the lives of people. For those, Lord, that aren't experiencing real joy, I pray, God, that you will put joy, that you will place, replace anything that they have, any, any uh, lifestyle that they have. You will replace that as we give it to you. You will replace that with true happiness that comes from joy in the Lord. And we won't pursue anything else but you from now on. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to tell you something. In this life, we pursue many things to try to fill a void that is in our lives. But that void in your life, that longing that you have, that you're trying to fill with things and relationships and lifestyle that can only be filled by finding peace with God. And I believe that God has brought you to a place today where you can surrender your life to Him and you can stop pursuing those things. As I said before, more than happiness, God is more concerned about us being saved. The first step in receiving eternal life, not just life here, but eternal life, is to receive the Lord Jesus, to believe on Him, to confess that He's Lord and, and Savior, and to give your life to Christ. If you have not done that, I want to lead you in a prayer where you can surrender your life to Christ. Let me say this. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm not going to single you out. I'm just going to ask you to pray right where you're seated, and I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. So this is between just you, me, and God. I would like to know if I'm praying for people today. I just want to know. So with nobody looking around, if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer.
Today I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. Just slip your hand up and slip it down so I know I'm praying for people. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm not right with God, but today I feel God calling me home, and I'm going to give my life to Christ, and I want you to pray that prayer, and I'm going to pray it with you. Can anybody say that? If that's you, I, need, I just want to see your hand just to let me know. Anybody? I'm just going to ask one more time, but if not, we'll move on. Can anybody say that? That's me, Travis. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for those that are here. I, I hope we all live for you and serve you. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to bring people to Christ. But if, but if there are people here that don't know you, I pray that they give their life to Christ, that they surrender. And, Lord, may Faith Co. continue to be a soul-winning church, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, Lord. May we lead many people to Christ. May we bring people to Christ. May we lead people to Christ. So your kingdom will be built and lives will be changed. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.